Welcome to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with Eva Medelik. If you're struggling to stay ahead of your daily life challenges, you will want to listen close as Eva and her guests will help you address the most important priorities first. Now, here's your host, Eva Medelik. Hello, everyone. I'm Eva Medelik, and welcome to today's show. Today, my guest, Dr. Roberta Shaler, and I will be talking about emotional abuse how to recognize it and emerge empowered from it. Now, Dr. Shaler provides urgent and ongoing care for relationships in crisis. Her mission is to provide insights, information, and inspiration for clients and audiences to transform relationship with themselves and other humans to be honest, respectful, and most importantly, safe in all ways. Dr. Shaler focuses on helping the partners, exes, and adult children of the relentlessly difficult toxic people she calls hijackles to stop the crazy making and save their insanity, to save their sanity, I should say. She's the author of 16 books, and those books are Escaping the Hijackle, The Hijackle Trap, and Stop, That's Crazy Making. She hosts the internationally popular podcast, Save Your Sanity, Help for Toxic Relationships, and her YouTube channel for Relationship Help has reached over a million views. Wow. So it looks like a lot of people are being helped by what you have to share. Thank you, Dr. Shaler, and welcome to What's Important Now. Thank you, Eva. It's a pleasure to be your guest. And yes, in ways people are being helped and that's the upside and those kind of numbers also tell us how many people are hurting exactly exactly so tell us a little bit about you and who you are as a person before we dive deep into the subject matter today of of who you help and what problems you solve sure i think one of the things that people say most about me is that i'm i am calm <laughs> and that's pretty much my lifestyle I'm calm. I raised my children alone, mostly. I have three children and grandchildren and all of that, all those wonderful things. And I'm from Canada. So I moved after my children were grown. I moved to San Diego. And that was my promise to myself. So I live a quiet life focused on spiritual things and helping people want to get up in the morning float their boat and flip their skirt. <laughs> and that's, that's what gets me up in the morning is being able to help them. I did not know that you were from Canada. So you definitely landed in a much warmer climate. <laughs> in Purposefully. Yes, of course. <laughs> what part of Canada? I'm just curious. Vancouver Island. Oh my goodness. How gorgeous there. Oh, mm -hmm. I can't wait to go back there. That was one of my favorite trips ever. So talk to us a little bit about what problems you solve. Like what are the chief complaint, as they say in medical jargon, are people coming to you for help with? Well, mostly they've been terribly marginalized. They're feeling isolated. They've been put down, worn down, torn down. And they've come to think of it as what is familiar to them, or maybe in some cases, even what they deserve. And because they were raised by hijackals, so therefore it is familiar to them. Then they get into romantic or marital relationships that are similar. So they seem 
they seem that familiarity seems almost comfortable, but it's very difficult. So those are the folks that I help, whether it be somebody who wants to talk about their current partner, what to do. Should I stay? Should I go? If I stay, what should I do? If I go, what should I do? Or life after leaving. And mainly, let's call it what it is. It's emotional abuse. There may be verbal abuse included in that, of course. But there's not necessarily physical or sexual abuse. There's likely financial abuse. There may be some spiritual abuse that's going on because you're being told that if you are a good person, you would stay with this person. And that person keeps telling you that if you are a better person, they wouldn't have so much difficulty with you. And they use spiritual matters to convince you. So those are the people that are drawn to me from all over the world. So the people that are drawn to you from all over the world are experiencing being the recipients of this type of abuse. (laughs) Do they often bring their their partners with them, if you will, to, um, you know, it's been my experience in my coaching business. One of the first things that I do is what I call a relationship, um, a relationship style assessment. And it really helps me determine what type of household they grew up in and, and what their relationship style is. And, and one of them is you know, um, what I call the controlling nature is the person who would probably be most um, equivalent to your hijackal. But there's also the victim that looks to accept blame. Well, you know, it's my fault. If I was good, they wouldn't have to X, Y, and Z, or, or they wouldn't be so controlling or abusive, you know, and it's up to me to change my behavior so that, you know, Mm -hmm. to keep the peace, if you will, in the relationships. So how bad do you find it usually gets before people realize? Really bad, (laughs) really bad. because they keep thinking that if I just give more, if I'm more patient, if I'm more kind, if I don't ask for anything, if I just shower them with love, if I stay out of their way, then of course they'll be happier and they'll relax and they'll feel like, oh, now I know what it is to be loved and I will change. No, that's never going to happen with a hijackal. Never, ever. Yes, occasionally there are people who have occasional hijackal tendencies, but I'm talking about full-blown hijackals and it won't happen. But to answer your question, Eva, yes, uh, they often bring these folks along because they come in all forms and some of them will even stay and pretend to do the work. And every now and again, we'll get somebody who actually wants to change, but it's very rare, maybe 2%. But yes, I often see them with their partners because they want to know, can this work? Is it possible? And then we find out. So tell us a little bit about your expertise in, um, you know, being an expert in solving these problems and helping people emerge empowered from these toxic relationships, if you will. Well, my expertise also comes from my experience. I have a doctorate in psychology. And then I had 263 hours in conflict management, mediation, and negotiation after that. 
So a lot of experience in that realm, which created the expertise, but the experience from being raised by two hijackals as an only child and going through a lot of abuse myself, I bring those two things together, which makes it unusual because I know exactly what you're trying to convey to me because I've felt it. I've been there and I can recognize it and I can relate. And that's always something that's comforting to clients. How did you get help? There wasn't any. (laughs) I'm from a small town. And so when I went and said, you know, this is what's happening at home. I got the usual response of the time. How dare you speak about your parents like that? They're wonderful. And as I say in my books and my podcast, hijackles paint a public picture of perfection while at home they're providing a private place of pain. So the outside is way different than the inside. And so the book cover looks very appealing and inside is decay. And that is really difficult. And many times, if you don't go to see somebody who has a specialty like mine, if you think that's what's happening in your relationship, you'll go to someone who says, oh, well, we're going to make this relationship work. And then the hijackle manipulates the sessions to get the therapist on the side of the hijackle Mm, and re-wound the other partner. And so we really do show some wisdom when you choose someone who's a specialist in this area, if the things that we're talking about today resonate with you. So that makes me a little bit curious on your journey of since you weren't able to get help and and find um, validation, recognition, support from your experience with your parents, at what point did you decide to educate yourself and I don't want to assume here, but learn how to help yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I was nine when I told my parents they were crazy. I I just knew, you know, like there's no point going to these people for help. (laughs) These are not well people. Um, So I went to university when I was 17 and I jumped deeply into figuring all that stuff out and learning and, and growing through the process and then did all kinds of independent study as well as my PhD in this particular specialty, because as I could see from the inside out and from the outside in, I could marry those things and say, oh, here's how I can be most effective to help. I can create something that's unique to this population. And so that's what I did. So I was seeing clients by the time I was 25, and um, had had done a lot of work. And then I still had another 10 years before I really uncovered all the things that had happened to me and was able to turn them around and say, ah, here are some other pieces of it. And I continue to find new examples because every couple is unique. You know, the different combinations produce different results, different feelings, and different problems for making decisions as to what you'd like to do about it. So you were raised by two hijackal parents? Yeah. So the assumption would be that they would create a nice hijackal baby. (laughs) Well, one would think. One would think. That's what I say. That's why I called it the assumption. Yes. Yes. And and that usually would happen. Uh They just happened to get me. It was very confusing for them. Mm. (laughs) Because, you know, when two hijackals marry... 
in the beginning, they collude like us against the world, like um, the House of Cards, you know, with space, uh, Kevin Spacey, Spacey. and Robin mm-hmm. Cook. Um, there's two hijackals marrying. Like, we're going to change the world. We're going to have power over everybody. We're going to come from two sides and dominate. But then if something was sideways, we go from colluding to competing. And then they compete forever. So you put my parents together competing forever, but neither one of them was going to leave the marriage because they were staying together for the kid. A very bad idea. Yeah, as an only child whose parents stayed together for the kid and who quickly, probably was a little older than you before I realized, like, you people need to break up. (laughs) Please stop using me as an excuse. And um, Yeah, they stayed together for 63 years until my mom passed away. Do you often find that uh, the two toxic people tend to find each other and create this collaborative union in the beginning? Um, what what majority is the, the prevalence? Does, does, a, does the toxic person find a victim to attach themselves to more often than not? Or do two of them find each other? Well, I think it's rare that they find each other, uh, two hijackals find each other and have anything except shortly fizzed out chemistry <laughs> because the competition will come into play early on. Um, so mostly they're looking for pre-groomed people, people who have been abused, people who have been neglected, people with low self-esteem, people who have previously been in abusive relationships because basically they're kind of lazy. They're emotionally lazy. So if I can find somebody who's going to put up with me, I'm going to love bomb them as much as I can and pull them in as quickly as I can. And then I don't have to be like that anymore. I can go back to my hijackal self and they're likely going to put up with it. And that's the way that they're looking at this equation. So you think that they are the most wonderful person you've ever met because they're reading you like a book and they're listening to everything that you say and they do and they, because they want to speed up the process of getting you. And so once they get you, then you're hooked. So one of the big hallmarks of a hijackal is they're in a hurry. They'll, they're the people who will say, I don't know you, but I love you. I know we're going to be together for forever. Why don't we just cut to the chase and get married or have a baby or move in together so that they can go, oh, now I've made it difficult for that person to get out. <laughs> mm, I get that. I get that. So who are you for and who are you not for? Because you know, when, when you're dealing with relationships, there are some people who are, you know, mentally and emotionally ready to have a better situation for themselves. And there's, there's some people that may not be an ideal fit for the type of help that you offer. So mm-hmm. clarify for us in, in, in a couple of minutes, just who you're for. Sure. Mainly I'm for the person who says there's something terribly wrong here. And I want you to tell me if I'm right. That's going to be the first person because they don't even like to admit that they're being abused somehow that they don't want to be that person. And who wants to be that person? So I'm for that person who says, what do you think? Is is what I'm describing to you really happening? Should I be worried about it? Do I need to do something about it? And that's the person who's going to come and say, validate me, affirm me, clarify for me. And then they're going to say, should I stay or should I go? And I'm going to support them either way. 
so that they know what to do. So the person I'm for is the person who truly wants to emerge empowered. Got it. Got it. And right. Yeah. Even because if that sometimes, means staying. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, from my experience and what I know about this, um, you know, when you're in a toxic or abusive relationship, they'll make you think you're crazy and that you're imagining this. So that's why um, when we come back from this short little break that we're going to take, I want to talk about gaslighting. Yeah. and, And how difficult it may be to recognize when you are in an emotionally abusive relationship for the very reason that you're, you're noting, because these people these abusers, if you will, are so hugely talented and skilled at what they do for a living, if you will, of making you think, you know, it's not me, it's you. So we're going to take a short break. And when we'll, when we come back, we're going to go a little bit deeper into what these emotional abusers actually do. So we'll be right back after these messages. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What's stopping you from having more money, time, energy, and fun? Learn how to break through where you stop so that you can have greater success, better health, and happier relationships. Take this free quiz to identify what's stopping your success and learn exactly what you can do about it www.evamedelec.com slash quiz. Having higher levels of energy is something you choose and condition, not something you have. Exhaustion has been a challenge for over two years now. This is the year you can choose to change. Here are five things you can start doing today to reverse the burnout, stress, and overwhelm that is keeping you from living a life full of good health and happy relationships www.evamedelec.com slash reverse burnout. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. And join us for a replay of the show on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Sophia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sophia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with host Eva Medelec. Have a question for Eva or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5795. 
That's 866-472-5795. Now back to the show. Here again is Eva Medelec. Welcome back, everyone. And I'm here with Dr. Roberta Schaller, who is an expert in helping people emerge empowered from toxic relationships. So in our first segment, Dr. Scherler, you talked a lot about the term hijackal, and I know that this is a trademark term of yours. And I mentioned emotional abuse a lot. Is there, well, let me just ask you to clarify what those terms mean, both of them, and what is the distinctions between the two of them? Sure. Well, I have my own definition of emotional abuse, so I'll share that with everybody. And that is controlling another person by criticizing, embarrassing, manipulating, shaming, blaming, discounting, dismissing, depriving, or denying their rights, their needs, their wants, their thoughts, their feelings, and their equality in the relationship. Well, wow, that's a mouthful. Okay. <laughs> it is, but hopefully it covers all the bases so that people really understand that it's a multivalent thing. You can be abused in so many ways, and it's all coming at who you are as a human in order to degrade you and, and to put you down and wear you down and tear you down. So why I developed the term hijackals is that I found in and looking and doing some research, that people were using diagnostic terms right from the DSM-5. And they, they really ought not to be using those terms because narcissistic behavior does not necessarily lead someone to get a diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder. So, so I thought- let me interject one second for clarification for our listeners. What is DSM-5? Uh, well, it is the, um, the the Bible of diagnosis. Okay, it's so, a diagnostic code yeah. book, if you will. Yes, we had something yes. like that in, in dentistry. <laughs> so I, I thought it was, but I just wanted to make that clear for those right. who, who are listening. So it's easy to go online and, and, and see, you know, my partner's doing this, or my mother did this, or my father. And then you say, oh, look at that person has to be a narcissist. And that person, therefore... What you're thinking is, well, they must have narcissistic personality disorder. No, you can have narcissistic tendencies without having the full disorder. But I wanted to get away from using diagnostic terms from a psychological basis. I wanted us to be able to talk about the patterns, traits, and cycles we were experiencing or had experienced and just call all of those folks a little bit like they belong in the hijackal category. So I created that word and I trademarked it. And my definition of that is hijackals are people who hijack relationships for their own purposes and needs. And then they relentlessly scavenge those relationships for power, for status, and for control. How does that differ from narcissism? Well, you can have you see, there it goes. There's exactly my point. Narcissism includes all of those things. So yes, we're experiencing narcissistic behaviors with all those things, but we are not necessarily talking to a person who could be diagnosed with a personality disorder. Oh, okay. So narcissistic personality disorder is a a medical DSM diagnosis. It, 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 and from what I've read from my extensive research on Dr. Google, because that's where <laughs> I go for all of my information, 
that there's not much you can do to help a person with that particular diagnosis. Not a narcissistic personality. Like there's no, there's no medication you could put them on. There's no type of therapy or that helps people that literally have that, what is it, NPD? Well, let's be really precise about that. Okay. The reason that there is a category cluster B personality disorders, those are disorders as opposed to illnesses. Illnesses you can medicate, you can change, you can ameliorate. Sometimes you can heal and cure. But disorders are different. Everything's just out of place. And putting them back into place, highly unlikely. The problem that we run into where you're bringing it up is that a person who has to believe that they are flawless, they're perfect, they're right, they are the superior being in the room, who have been raised in that toxic way, are very unlikely to go for help. They're very unlikely to take responsibility or accountability for who they are and what they're doing and what they're creating. So they won't go. So they're they're not going to get help. So we need to be able to talk about them, talk about them in terms of, well, these are all hijackal behaviors, but we don't need to know if they have a diagnosable personality disorder to, to say, here's some things you can do to ameliorate these things or to emerge empowered by distancing yourself or realizing, as you were saying earlier, that everything that they're doing is them showing you who they are, not them showing you who you are. Exactly. But that's what they want you to believe. So what I heard you say in that was how they were raised. Talk to me about that connection. Is there a certain type of household that hijackles, if you will, or any narcissistic disorder uh, emerges from? Well, you're going to probably have a hijackal parent or a parent who is very, very um, deeply convicted to something and they will not entertain anything different. You'll find that people who are who are hijackals themselves have probably got a hijackal parent or background, mm. somebody that they've had to model themselves after in order to get their basic needs met. We have to remember that we we come into life with fully functioning neural pathways, uh, particular nerves in our body that are serving our brain, but we don't come in with a fully functional neocortex and parietal and prefrontal lobes. So we have these nerves that are working on our behalf very, very well from before we take birth, and we're taking all of our environment in without language through that perception. That's how we're deciding, what do I need to do to survive? Do I? Do they like me? Do they not like me when they hold me? Are they comforting? Are they harsh? If I cry, do they come? If I cry, do they tell me I shouldn't cry? What are they doing? So if I have a hijackal parent, I need that giant in order to survive. So I start kind of molding myself to what do I need to do? And so that's what happens to most people. Now, a small percentage of people have it in their DNA. It shows up in their, in their 
their profiles that maybe have skipped a generation or two, but there's a tendency. And those are people who have a tendency towards not diagnosable as again, but a tendency to be more demonstrating of psychopathy. They're very cold, very, very cold, and they are not don't have much of a conscience and they don't have any empathy. And you you meet those people occasionally. They may have had a part a parent like that, but they may not have. And so it's always a terrible shock if you have a child who starts to exhibit those things, and neither you nor your partner can understand well, how did that happen. But these people are so basically afraid of ever receiving shame that they walk through life making everybody else wrong so they can't have any shame. And that's simplistic, I know, Eva, but it might give people I love an that. insight. No, I love that. That that actually actually gave me a good visual of, of how these people are operating in the world and, and how to recognize it. You know, um, I first heard the term gaslighting only two years ago and had no idea what it meant. I took it literally like the (laughs) gas lights on the streets in the 1800s or whatever. Um, And it's it's a popular phrase now. What you know, you gave us some really powerful definitions for emotional abuse, hijackles, even the disorder of narcissistic personality disorder based uh, um, versus, um, you know, a, a condition, I guess, that is narcissistic treatable. tendencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of that. Talk to me a little bit about gaslighting and where that fits in. Is it just a trait of all of them that they have the ability to gaslight all of us? Or is it something that has a um, a special place on its own? <laughs> well, we immediately think of a certain special place where it would probably be best living. But gaslighting is when you define someone else's reality for them. And you try to tell them that you know what they think, what they want, what they feel, what they need, what they remember. And so they tell you who you are, and they want you to believe that they know that. The ultimate gaslighting is when someone says to you, I know you better than you know yourself. Right. Mm. So gaslighting shows up in so many ways. After you've been with a hijacker for quite a while, you realize that the words I love you are gaslighting. Because if they loved you, would they behave that way? Well, they don't know any different way to behave. So it's kind of mood in that situation. But for the person who's being told I love you and looking for loving behaviors and never finding them except when the hijackal is afraid you're going to leave them or discard them, then it even becomes gaslighting. I want to believe that you love me, but I don't see any demonstration of it. And I talk about it all the time that everybody has to have the mantra ABB. I tell them to carve it into the inside of their forehead so they can always see it. And ABB stands for always believe behavior. Because the words will flow from a hijackal, but you must, must, must believe the behavior. So they'll promise you anything and do nothing. 
there would be an example. So in gaslighting, they will tell you whatever serves their purpose is convenient for them, is something that they want you to believe so that you will be in a certain box. You will be limited by what they say that you have where you are. And you start saying, oh, really? Well, maybe they know. Maybe they know me better. Maybe I do think that. Well, I I didn't think I thought that, but maybe I do. And then they think, ah, gotcha. I got you now because you're questioning your sanity. You're questioning the basis of who you are. And you're allowing me to tell you that I know who you are better. And at that moment, run. Run from yes. the conversation <laughs> if you don't run from the relationship because they're they're constantly doing that. When you start to see it, you can see that it's laced in so many pieces of their communication with you. Why do you think it's hard for people who are in, you know, or it's hard to recognize when you are a victim of toxic emotional um hijackal abuse. Why is that? So, you know, it usually takes people more than a minute or two to figure out something's not right here. And they go to you. Why do you think it's so hard for them to recognize that? Well, here's the way I tell it to people. There are people who are born on the healthier human planet. And we all kind of agree that I did a podcast on my, my three must-haves of a healthy adult relationship. So those three must-haves are equality, reciprocity, and mutuality. So if you're born on the healthier human planet, you are are love, civility, respect, honesty, safety, trust, equality, reciprocity, mutuality. So if I give that, I'll expect that it'll come back to me. There may be some people who have been hurt, and so I have to give them a little more, and then they go, oh, yes, and now we have reciprocity. So the healthier human people, they will be able to expect that from one another, and then they'll find out whether it could come back. But the ones who are raised on the hijackal human planet, they basically live from one edict, which is give as little as possible, take as much. Now, here's where the problem comes. Those people from the hijackal human planet, they look like us. If they were just purple, we'd know what we're dealing (laughs) with. But they look like us. So from the healthier human planet, we attribute our way of being to them. And we think there must be a way. There must be a way to get in there. And they will then be that way with me. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so much goes into seeing that you are in a relationship where you're being gaslit by someone who has an unhealthy need to be right and be in control. You know, I (laughs) want... No, for those of you, it's a big red flag. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who are not seeing this on video, she's raising a red flag. So that's why I was giggling a bit. But yeah, there are certain red flags. And we can probably go into that uh, a little bit more after we take this short break. Um, and I also, when we come back, want to hear more about your work and how anyone listening can get help for yourself or for a loved one that you notice is in a toxic relationship, they may not see it as clearly as you do because 
you know, as they say, the pickle inside the jar can't read the label. <laughs> so um, it's really hard for them to see because they're, they're in that situation of maybe doubting themselves and um, not fully being aware that, yeah, you are in a, a relationship that is toxic and abusive. So guys, stay with us. We are going to be right back with Dr. Roberta Shaler. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. What's stopping you from having more money, time, energy, and fun? Learn how to break through where you stop so that you can have greater success, better health, and happier relationships. Take this free quiz to identify what's stopping your success and learn exactly what you can do about it. www.evamedelec.com slash quiz. Having higher levels of energy is something you choose and condition, not something you have. Exhaustion has been a challenge for over two years now. This is the year you can choose to change. Here are five things you can start doing today to reverse the burnout, stress, and overwhelm that is keeping you from living a life full of good health and happy relationships. www.evamedelec.com slash reverse burnout. If you feel stuck, exhausted, or just unsure of how to handle everything at once that life is throwing your way, you'll want to listen to What's Important Now, Making Time for What Matters Most with Eva Medelec. Eva and her guests will help you learn to focus on the most important priorities in your life so you can handle them one at a time instead of being constantly overwhelmed. What's Important Now, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We're on Alexa smart speakers and connected devices. Hey Alexa, play Being Here podcast on Apple Podcasts. Try it now. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. You are listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with host Eva Medelec. Have a question for Eva or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. Now back to the show. Here again is Eva Medelec. Okay, guys, we're back with Dr. Roberta Shaler. And while we're on break, I just I just had a thought of something that I wanted to ask you. Um, as the parent of two millennials, I sometimes, you know, blame myself for the reputation millennials have of being the entitled generation, which I, I think some of them get. How much are you seeing or what are your what is your professional experience with the people that either are emotionally abusive or have this these hijackal tendencies? with the entitlement that they may have experienced in, in their early life experiences? Well, if they just experienced entitlement, that'll probably 
uh, something that they will find doesn't fly really well with people outside their generation. <laughs> and so I find that probably somewhere around 29 to 30, um, they start to go, I don't think this is working well. <laughs> <laughs> but if they, as a piece of a hijackal upbringing, you definitely will find entitlement because you should bow down to me. What I want matters. It doesn't matter what you want. Give me what I want first and maybe we'll get to you. That is just a component of hijackal behavior. So I think if it's an isolated entitlement that someone's going to say, who do you think you are a few two times too many? And they're going to start answering that question for themselves. <laughs> but if they have been raised in a hijackal way, that's kind of permanent. Mm, got it. Got it. Thanks for the clarification. Cause I was starting to feel personally responsible for maybe <laughs> creating that in the world. <laughs> but one thing I've noticed uh, since the pandemic and the lockdown uh, the increasing amount of concern for people in uh, various types of abusive relationships being locked down and having no real escape from their abusers, whether it's the time away they had to go to work or to school or just to be able to get out of the house and get a reprieve. Mm -hmm. What did you and your practice experience during the lockdown? What did you notice? My practice doubled in the first year. Wow. I think it also had, of course, the effect that you're with the person 24-7 and you can't get away from recognizing that, yep, that's the way they are. That's the way this relationship rolls. But I think also people had the time to address it. They'd always said, oh, well, you know, I'm managing, I'm managing. Well, they had the time to address it and they, they chose to do it then. And so I think that that had a great deal to do with it. Those two prongs. So... Yes, living with that person became very evident that this was unbearable. And what can we do, if anything, to fix it? But on the other side, okay, I can't really run away and say, oh, well, I'm okay because I get out of the house and I have my friends and I do all these things. So I'll attend to it later. And they finally had the time. Yeah, so their 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 cards were forced, their hand was shown that they... Yeah, it you know it was two years of a of a lockdown pretty much, and yeah. um, for me personally, I I was concerned for people, especially people who suffered at the hands of physical abusers. But you know, physical abuse scars heal. I my assumption and and part of my experience is that the emotional abuse takes longer to heal. You know that they, they say people won't always remember what you what you did or maybe even said but they will remember how you made them feel and mm -hmm. being in these types of relationships there's always the feeling i would imagine that something is wrong with you certainly until you get some help you will operate from that if only i did things differently because you're constantly being blamed and so if you even go to a hijackal and say you know, this happened and I, it's not fair and I'd really like to talk about it. And they read that as you blaming them, not trying to solve a problem. Then they engage in what we call blame shifting. As soon as you say, you know, I think that, you know, it would have been better if you'd done this way. It would, it's not me, it's you. And then that contributes to that second guessing yourself again, questioning your sanity, going back, being the healthier human person, going back and saying, well, I better 
scrutinize my behavior, which is always important to do, to be self-reflective, but then to realize, all right, I've done that work and their behavior hasn't changed. So now I'm clear, but they're still doing it. So it must be them. And that big moment when, when I tell my people, just turn on the Teflon for a while, let it slide off, take a couple of steps back and say, let me just observe this. You know, what's actually going on here? What's being said? What's the look on the face? What's the body posture? What's the tone of voice? Just take those couple steps back and start observing. You know, I'm not doing any of that. that that's coming at me. And yet I'm being blamed for a whole lot of really unhappy things. So why is that now? Right? And so you get that opportunity to see that with you with your observation stance and that becomes really important but you have to get yourself out of being there being hit being with words all of that you know emotional abuse does last a long time it does it does and you know i can use an example from my life um silly example but it'll it'll highlight it i was an original latchkey kid my Parents weren't there. I was supposed to peel the potatoes before I should come home. I couldn't stand her, so I'd peel the potatoes as I heard her car in the driveway. And, and, and so she would come in, and the first thing she would say is, do you think we're made of money? You take off way too much of the skin. I don't know why I even bother with you. You're totally useless, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, I found myself at 30 or 35, you know, I'd be sitting in the kitchen peeling potatoes, and there she is on my on my shoulder, repeating the emotional abuse, re repeating it. And I, I took great pleasure by that point of being able to look at her and say, you know, mom, I paid for these potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the kind of thing that lasts. It really, really lasts with you. And, and you'll find it when you get stressed, their voices will come in. Your concern about their perception of you, you know, mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. It's really important for us to recognize that lasting quality that you take on and you you kind of carry and internalize. So that's a lot of what I help people do after they've made a decision is to stop that inner dialogue and choose their own. That's saying, you know, you're not going to listen to that person beating you up anymore. And when they show up, you're going to replace it with this. And then mm. we have to practice that. We've talked a lot about hi uh, hijackal relationships Uh adult relationships, uh, intimate relationships, parent-child relationship. What other relationships are affected by this type of behavior? Sibling relationships, for sure. Mm -hmm. Because if you have a hijackal parent, some siblings are going to go in the hijackal direction. Some siblings are going to go in the uh, overly passive direction. And some siblings like me are going to toddle off into the future and say, I'm leaving you. <laughs> So the mm. sibling relationship, the workplace relationship, That's churches the are, one. Churches That's are the rife one, yeah. with it, mm -hmm. rife the, with it. Everybody the, likes a little power, you know? Yeah, yeah. But that horrible boss is what was coming up when you were, were sharing before, because uh, I, I had a boss once that um, really abused a lot of uh, her staff. Yeah. And, um, you know, her staff was of the... Uh, one of the ethnic groups that were more of a passive ethnic group in, in, you know, 
generally in, in society, they tend to be more passive and not fight back, uh, if you will. And, um, and I remember seeing the effect that that level of abuse had on people, how they were shrinking and, mm-hmm. you know, and even patients, this was in a, a dental office, patients would say, you know, I can see her assistant, you know, just, just shrink like an abused dog. But yet and still they chose to stay in the job for like literally 30 years damn near or 20 years damn near because of the financial security. Because there's also whenever you threaten to leave, you get more benefits thrown at you. Right. You know, more time, you know, just and but I saw the blame and stuff. So enter Eva, who is not going to to, to take any of that and, and talk back. I almost became the spokesperson for everybody in the office. Like sure. she'll listen to you. She's afraid of you. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. you're the one person that can talk to her, but you know, I've seen it in kind of the horrible boss situation, especially when you're in a certain economy. That was when we had our, our first kind of economic turndown in 2008, nine and 10, where people needed to hold on to their jobs yeah. because of what the economy was like. So What advice can you give to people who may not be experiencing these relationships in their personal relationship, but more so in their professional relationship? Uh Oh, guys, she's pulling out. She's like, I I wrote wrote a a book about about it. it. (laughs) It's called Wrestling Rhinos, Conquering Conflict in the Wilds of Work. Wow. (laughs) Wow. There's a book for you. Um, full of things to say and do. Uh, that was before I created the term hijackal, so that's not in there. But it does give you all the tips for what to do with a boss or with a coworker, all of those things. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you about your books. You know, I know you've authored many books. Uh, what book? You know, based on the theme of what we were talking about today, which is mostly either you grew up um, in a hijackal environment or you. Uh, became in an intimate, re- intimately intimate relationship with someone that has hijackal tendencies. What book of yours would you recommend that someone would read to kind of help them maybe recognize the severity and, and take the steps to get out? Well, I'll give you two options. First of all, if this is new to you, get my free book. Just go to hijackals.com and you'll get a copy of how to spot hijackal. So that'll help you. But in the full book category, I wrote a book called Escaping the Hijackal Trap Mm -hmm. so that you can understand the trap you're in and all the sides of it and then know what you can do about it. So that will help. And all hijackals are passive aggressive. So I also wrote a book called Stop That's Crazy Making, How to Quit Playing the Passive Aggressive Game. So those things will give you some good insights. If your relationship is healthy, then Kaizen for Couples, Strong Steps to Save, Sustain, and Strengthen Your Relationship is the book for you. Are all these books on your website? They're on the website. They're all on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So many of them are audiobooks or they're um, oh, that's books, good. all of that. Yeah, that's good. I love listening to audiobooks. So um, with everything that you do, you know, the, 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 the title of this show is What's Important Now, Making Time for What Matters Most. What matters most to you? The work, 
It really floats my boat and flips my skirt to get up in the morning and know that somebody is going to learn something that is going to give them an insight that is the beginning of their journey to a healthier place. You know, I I have people so frequently say, I listened to your podcast for two years and I finally decided to talk to you. But since then, or I'll get a note and I'll say, I listened to your podcast for 18 months. I want you to know I'm now safely away and my children are safe. And that really is what floats my boat and flips my skirt and gets me up in the morning is nobody needs to be stuck in that without a hand, a hand up to help you see what's going on and to know that. So the podcast is for that. My Emerging Empowered community is for that. My members community get lots of free stuff, including three sessions, group sessions with me a month, where you can ask all your questions right on the Zoom screen. All of that, you can find that at joinintoday.com. All of those things to just be there. That's what matters most to me, to be there and have someone say, Oh, I can breathe again. So what is the main website we want to uh, send people to you to get in touch with you so that they can see, seek help either for themselves or for their loved ones that they recognize are in a toxic relationship so that they can emerge empowered? Sure. That's exactly where you go. Emergingempowered.com. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. So Emergingempowered.com. Awesome. Well, Dr. Shaler, thank you so much for the work that you do in the world and for being such a, a wonderful, generous, giving guest on this show. And I also want to take the time to, to thank those of you who took the time out of your busy schedules to listen to the show today. <clears throat> I realize what a blessing it is to be a recipient of your time. And hopefully you are finding something for yourselves in listening to this show. So I hope you'll find the time to join us again next week. And as usual, I love to leave you with a quote to resonate in your head as you leave us to continue on with your day. And this one is from Bonnie Pruden. She says, you can't turn back the clock, but you can wind it up again. And I think that was appropriate for this because, you know, there's a lot of history in what we talked about today in, in how we grew up, what happened in our households, things that we may have have done and tolerated in our lives. And we can't turn back the clock to undo it, but we can rewind the clock and emerge empowered. So thank you all for joining. And until next time, bye for now. Thanks for listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with Eva Medelec. We hope we've been able to inspire you with today's show to take control of your own life and focus on the win. What's important now? Until we talk again, have a beautiful week.